Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Today is Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, breaking news. The police chief in Philadelphia has resigned. We'll have all the details for you. Also on today's show, I'm going to deconstruct some comments made by former NFL player Marcellus Wiley regarding Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z, Eric Reed, and his girlfriend Nessa. What's up with this blackness test? Oh, y'all don't want to miss this. A recent poll shows that most voters think Donald Trump is a racist. Shocker. Not really. A leaked memo reveals a Republican strategy for dealing with mass shootings. It's to minimize white supremacy and blame Democrats. Yeah, that'll work. And what do you see this Tennessee lawmaker's takedown of a Tea Party leader who says he remembers being born? Really? And in Mississippi, a white sheriff caught complaining that a Hispanic lawmaker is worse than a black person. Melick, that's your state. And in Michigan, police are apologizing to a black man who was stopped for looking at a white woman. Yes, in 2019. Not Emmett Till in Mississippi, but in 2019. And we'll show you a video. Uh, you should, she, she should have watched before she called the cops. Another crazy-ass white person we told you about is out of a job. I keep telling y'all. 
keep action the fool. Y'all can end black unemployment. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Mark Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. It's on go, go, roll, y'all. It's rolling, Martin. Folks, breaking news out of Philadelphia. The police chief in Philadelphia has resigned. Richard Ross Jr. Uh, has resigned as police commissioner. This is a statement released a few moments ago, literally a few moments ago, by the mayor. Mayor Jim Kinney today accepted the resignation of police commissioner Richard Ross Jr. Mayor Kinney said, quote, today, Commissioner Ross tendered his resignation. I am disappointed because he's been a terrific asset to the police department and the city as a whole. New allegations of sexual harassment as well as gender and racial discrimination among the rank and file have recently been brought to my attention. While those allegations do not accuse Commissioner Ross of harassment, I do ultimately believe his resignation is in the best interest of the department. Uh, Ross, of course, has also uh, been in the news as of late as a result of, of course, the shooting that recently took place in Philadelphia where six police officers uh, were shot. Uh, again, this uh, is literally just uh, coming down uh, just moments ago. Uh, in Philadelphia, Richard Ross, an African-American, uh, has been there, uh, of course, leading that particular department uh, for quite some time. And this was also a part of the comment from the mayor. I do not believe the police department has taken the necessary actions to address the underlying cultural issues that too often negatively, negatively impact women, especially women of color. The mayor says, I believe new leadership will help us continue to reform the department and show that racial, ethnic, and gender discrimination simply will not be tolerated. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Christine Coulter is going to become the acting commissioner as they look for a replacement. Uh, Ross, of course, has been with the department uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, the last uh, 30 years. Uh, and he served as the first deputy for uh, Charles Ramsey there. Um, and uh, talk about uh, uh, a change there. I want to go to my panel real quick here. Of course, uh, joining us right now uh, in studio uh, on our panel today, George Jefferson, Nuri Communication Strategist, Malik Abdul, Vice President, Black Conservative Federation, Kelly Bethel, Communication Strategist. Obviously, this is just coming down. But it's interesting that the mayor is saying that an African-American police chief can't be the one to lead the department in dealing with gender and racial issues, especially impacting women of color. Do you yeah. think he was accused of something? No, don't know. I mean, I mean, literally, no, no, don't know. Literally this, I mean, I got a text message uh, and this uh, literally just came down uh, no more than 20 minutes ago. And again, so for the mayor say, Undisclosed sexual harassment and discrimination allegations, but not involving the police commissioner. Right. Okay, so I'm just trying to understand that. So I hate to guess on television, but I'm, I'm assuming that 
he didn't handle something well. Mm -hmm. Something is missing mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Something, several things have come down that he didn't handle well. Yeah. And there's a there's a complaint. The mayor's getting ahead of it mm -hmm. by letting him go now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what I think. You know, when I when you when you were um, reading it, I was just saying to myself, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, how is it that an African American um, commissioner isn't able to lead? A, but I believe it's actually what you said. There must be something getting ready to happen, and he's getting out ahead of it. But it's pretty shocking, well, especially after what we've been hearing. Of course, you know, um, police departments uh, all around the country, you know, have had their, their issues in dealing with, you know, how they, the treatment of black people, right. um, black and brown and people. But this is pretty, yeah. And what, Ke yeah. Kelly, according to this, uh, this another report, BillyPenn.com, it says Kenny, who appointed Ross in 2016, cited his administration's rollout of new sexual harassment policies to reform the city's historically bundle, bungled handling of misconduct mm -hmm. cases, saying that the police department has had a long history of sexual misconduct scandals uh, spanning yeah. decades. So with that in mind, this kind of makes sense, right? Because the police, commis the police commissioner is, you know, in charge of all of that. So for that to occur under his watch and nothing be done about it, I mean, you know, sexual harassment is no small thing. That's, that's a big deal. So for him to be fired from what we know right now, um, it makes sense. Here's a broader statement. Go to my iPad, please. Last summer, the city implemented a new sexual harassment prevention policy and a series of internal reforms designed to prevent uh, workplace discrimination and harassment throughout the government. While rolling out a new policy understandably takes time, I do not believe the police department has taken the necessary actions to address the underlying cultural issues that too often negatively impact women, especially women of color. I will be enlisting the help of an independent firm to investigate the recent allegations and to make recommendations to overcome, uh, let's see here, oh, sorry, ad pops up. Uh, that's what happens, to overcome uh, some of the discrimination and harassment within the department. Yeah, see, when you when with the context now it yeah makes yeah sense. And but 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 here's interesting though because but here's the first piece that jumps out okay so you roll this thing out mm -hmm. three out, years ago well you know no he came, he came on three years ago mm -hmm. you rolled the new policy out last summer mm -hmm. then you have new allegations mm -hmm. but anyone concerned that a mayor makes the move solely based on allegations no. I mean no. I mean you know about I, I think just in the era that we're in, and we're really talking about getting out ahead of it, I think because of the era that we're in, it must be something getting ready to come out. And in this particular case, um, you know, the fact that they're actually focusing on women of color, because mm -hmm. women of color aren't generally, well, I won't say the women of color aren't included when we're talking about workplace harassment. But they are. Uh, they often yeah. are not. They're, they're technical. Yeah, that's they very are. Good. Specified. Yeah, specified. Yes. So I think it actually makes sense, but it will be interesting to see what comes out of this, like what happened between the year, because if they just rolled it out last year mm -hmm. and now he's being let go, clearly something happened. Do you know, I'm wondering when is the election in Philadelphia? Is it this November or next November? Mm. How close are right. we mm. to an election right. in Philadelphia? That's a good question, because yes. the last one was Nutter, and then this is, this, is this the one who replaced Nutter? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it I don't remember coming. the years. It yeah. could be this year. It could. it could be this year, but I don't know. I have to look it up. Uh, and so I'm trying to see uh, this Christine Coulter. Uh, is she black? Is that is the deputy? She, um, the woman who's going to take his place. Yeah, the, be acting. Um, acting. Mm. Yeah, there. Uh, and I'm trying to. I'm, again, I'm, I'm dump, dumping on their um, page here to uh, actually see. And 
and I'm not coming across. Um, Put her name in images, man. Uh, no, I've already done that. Okay. Uh, and even their their particular web page uh, is uh, not necessarily uh, working. No, uh, white female. Uh, let's see here. Right. So this is a photo here of Coulter as who is uh, on the left. So there are two uh, deputy commissioners. One on the left is uh, Christian Coulter, who is white, and the one on the black on the right is Robin Wimberly, mm -hmm. who is African American. So again, so breaking news out of Philadelphia: uh, the uh, commission, police commissioner has been in 30 years. Uh, has been the top job the last three years. Richard Ross Jr. Uh, resigns in Philadelphia. And so as we get more details, we'll certainly let you know uh, exactly what took place uh, when it comes to Philadelphia. All right, folks, uh, let's talk about uh, this new study. A recent Quinnipiac poll showed that 51% of voters say they think Donald Trump is a racist. 45% say they don't think, think so. And 5% don't know. Of course, the opinions follow party lines. 91% of Republicans say they do not think Trump is racist. Only 8% say they do. 86% of Democrats say he is races and nine percent of do not but this is the real issue if you're republican and you like donald trump independent voters 56 percent say trump is racist compared with 38 <clears> percent <throat> who do not like it or not melick that's a problem uh you now have donald trump of course coming out today uh sounding like a damn fool uh, basically saying to American Jews, you're either dumb, stupid, or ignorant if you vote for Democrats. Uh, the, uh, the comment that he actually made, folks, uh, was pretty interesting uh, where he, I mean, he literally said, folks, that, uh, matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to play this for y'all. This is um, uh, the comment that he made uh, earlier today in the Oval Office. Check this out. Well, they've been having this, uh, these talks for hundreds of years. Even under right. different names. So this was one, actually, that was one of the comments that uh, he was talking about Afghanistan. Uh, I'm going to fire for you the comment that he made with regards to uh, American Jews. And that, of course, is causing many of them to say, uh, really? Uh, so he criticized, uh, he basically challenges uh, Jews by saying that they're either disloyal because of the whole issue. Uh, so check this out. Uh, so here's the comment right here with Donald Trump. Y'all going to laugh at this one. I can't believe we're even having this conversation. Where has the Democratic Party gone? Where have they gone where they're defending these two people over the state of Israel? And I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. All right. Thank you very much. Now, remember, they criticized Congresswoman Ilhan Omar earlier this year when she was talking about this whole issue of being loyal to, loyal to having two interests, America and Israel. But now you have Donald Trump who's saying to American Jews, oh, you need to be loyal to Israel. As if that's the only issue that American Jews care about is what happens to Israel. 80% of American Jews do not like Donald Trump. They do not vote for Republicans. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. and, to, and to say that they are disloyal to say that they aren't smart because they won't vote for him there might be a reason why because he's not smart there is the same racism the same injustice the same brutality that african americans faced in this country so do and did jews jews have an economic advantage overall but not the entire the entire religion so they were never been welcomed in the Republican Party, never been welcomed in the Republican Party until now, where we're now 56 percent of independents 
don't want Donald Trump or believe Donald Trump is a racist. And those kind of comments demeaning an entire religion because of the way they vote is part of the indication. But to say, basically, y'all ain't smart. No, and that's why I keep trying to explain, Millie. Black people are very smart. There's a reason why black people don't vote for Republicans. <laughs> Republicans give black people a damn good reason not to vote for them. Generation after generation yeah, after generation. Well, the, yes, the, the Republican Party definitely has a problem, a messaging problem, as it relates to a lot of people, particularly we're talking about, in this case, blacks. Um, but as someone... No, in case we're talking about Jews. I'm, I'm sorry, um, Jews. Um, but, you know, this is the notion that an entire body of people would be criticized for their voting decisions that's not something that's just out of the norm. Um, I do wish that the president would be much more careful with his words, because as I say, you know, I can't speak for the Jewish community, but as I've said on this show and as I continue to say, you know, when the president does things like this, it makes it very hard for us who are actually out there on the ground trying to convince people, trying to recruit people, trying to expand the conservative movement, it makes it very difficult. And we're, and we're talking about 56% of independents. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I can spin a lot of things, um, but I don't know exactly how you spend 56%. Sure, I can say, well, you know, some of those are the Joe Scarboroughs of the world, mm -hmm. um, but I imagine that a lot of them are not. And, you know, it, it's one of those situations he doesn't help himself, but also we're dealing in a media climate, you know, and cycles where, you know, if you... If this is what you hear every day, then, of course, this is what you're going to believe. But <laughs> as far as what the, his comments about Jews, I mean, I... Yeah. Kelly, this is not about him watching his words. No. This is what he thinks. But not only This is what he feels. <clears throat> this is what he does. Mm -hmm. No, but not only that, like when you said that he needs to watch his words. No, he knows exactly what's coming out of his mouth because what's coming out of his mouth is appealing to his base. So when you say things like that for a normal person, yeah, sure, we should watch our words when we talk about things like this. But when it comes to Donald Trump, well, frankly, we have, you know, four years of history here saying that he's not normal. But um, to comment on the loyalty bit that he said, I don't think he was talking necessarily about loyalty to Israel. I think he was talking about loyalty to uh, Netanyahu. He was talking about loyalty towards the conservative right of Israel. But there are a lot of Jewish people in this country who side with um, those who are fighting in the West Bank. There are plenty of Jewish people in this country who actually empathize and stand with Ilan Omar and Tlaib. So for him to say that, you know, this very binary concept of you're either with your people or you're not, I mean, it's, it's stupid, like he is. But, but again, though, what he is saying is, we as Republicans, we've done more for Israel than anybody else, so therefore you should vote for us. But people who are Jewish are making a decision not solely based upon Israel. Mm -hmm. Just like black folks don't make a decision solely on one market. Right. That's why Trump can run around saying, hey, First Step Act and low unemployment. And black people are like, that ain't the only thing we care about, player. Right. And that's what we're seeing here. And he is so clueless not to understand that. Uh, but it goes to show you the kind of person that he is. And then he's criticizing them but this is the same guy who's hitting the campaign to a group of Republican Jews. I don't need y'all money. Y'all can't control me. Yeah, can I just say very quickly, you know, there we have a lot of these discussions about things that Donald Trump says that, and he does it to appeal to his base. I really don't think that, 
I really don't think that's it at all. Um, you know, maybe a, a smaller element of that. But, you know, I talk to people who really can truly be considered members of Donald Trump's base and privately, of course, we have these conversations and they say, Oh gosh, here he goes again. And and I and these are not their um, core beliefs. So I don't know his comments about Jews. I don't know what his base gets out of here, it. Here is the problem with quietly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the problem with quietly is Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. There no, were no, people. No, no, no. There were people. No, let me finish. Hold up. Let, let me finish. finish. This man is turning back the 20th century. He's erasing the 20th century with every single move. I, 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 I am upset with the media that we don't talk enough about federal judges and their, mm -hmm. how they're turning around things. Uh, we don't talk about the Environmental Protection Agency and how they're quietly turning around things. And even Mr. HUD thinks that affordable housing is some small house that you can put down somewhere and whole families can live in it in a house this big. And that's the answer to affordable housing. I think so many things are being reversed under the Trump administration that have nothing to do with Mueller, that have nothing to do with Russia, but they're being reversed quietly. And if there are people who consider themselves his followers, his base, his supporters, who quietly criticize, he gets to succeed. And it's not just his four years. Where he gets to succeed is my daughter's life and my grandchildren's life. And here's you why. You can't do this quietly. And here's why words matter. Pull up, go to my iPad, please. Uh, this is a tweet from Brad Heath, a Maryland man arrested on federal interstate threat charges after saying he wanted to exterminate Hispanics, wrote, quote, I thank God every day President Donald John Trump is president and that he will launch a racial war and crusade against people who aren't white. The reality, Melick, is that words do matter. They do. And when you are in a leadership position and the words that you speak are in alignment with white supremacists and white nationalists and they praise you for it, then, yes, your words do matter. And for the people out there who are Republicans, who still say, oh, I'm going to vote for him anyway, what they are essentially saying is, yeah, I can excuse his words for these other things. But to act as if his words do not matter, that is nonsensical. They do matter. Yeah, and I've, I've never said that his words don't matter. And I've always, and we're having this discussion, I've always brought into the discussion to talk about how words matter in general. So whether you, anyone who has a public platform your words matter. But who so has a bigger who has a bigger platform than the person who occupies the Oval Office? Yes. He is not just the commander in chief. In this case, he is the communicator in chief. He is the troll in chief. Uh, he is uh, he is the bully in chief. He occupies the largest voice. And in the world. Yeah, and so, again, I, I go, and, you know, this is just something that I've repeated time and time again. You know, the notion that somehow, if, I, I think when we do that, when we say, well, because he's president, so that's why we should focus on what he says, it absolves us of any responsibility. No, no, for, no not true. That's not, not true. We're but, not saying but, that. But, but, no one is saying that. But you're saying that, well, he has the biggest platform. No, well, what, no, what I am saying <clears throat> is that. And that's valid. What I am saying is that when you occupy. Mm -hmm the Oval Office, your words, and we've already seen this, his Are words resonant. about the economy yeah. could cause an immediate shift upwards Absolutely. or downwards in the stock market. Absolutely. His words mm -hmm. could immediately mm -hmm. cause 
foreign capitals all across the world to change their focus by virtue of a few words. We have seen presidents, look, when Reagan joked off air mm -hmm. about bombing Russia, mm -hmm. the Russians scrambled fighter jets. Mm -hmm. It was a joke. Yeah. So to act as if the words of a president are somehow on par with everyone else, no. no Especially when you have a president who has weaponized Twitter to the point that he's done it that's a different yeah, situation. Yeah, well, I don't think that his words are, I think his words carry um, a greater weight. But my point is when I have this discussion, because we, all of this is, um, you know, this centered around this climate that we're in. We're always talking about the climate that we're in. And I talk about the things that contribute to that climate. To your point about, you know, Hitler, I tend to, I reject all Hitler, slavery, you know, um, comparisons at all. But the reason that people aren't public in their criticism of Donald Trump are the reasons that they're not public in their criticisms of any politician, whether it was Barack Obama's, whether, you know, people who said, well, you know, behind the scenes, you know, yeah, I may not agree with this or that, and they don't publicly come out. I think it was the Congressional Black Caucus. They got their um, butt slapped when they, and I can't remember what the issue was, but they kind of came out and criticized Obama, but they got a backlash from that. And so I think the notion they that- They got a backlash from the people who supported Obama. They right. didn't get a backlash from Obama. No, no, he didn't right. get a backlash from Obama's supporters. Obama didn't go on Twitter and demean the Congressional Black Caucus. But he didn't have to. We're talking about where because you disagree. With. We're talking about where you yes. disagree with something that a president does. Bottom line here, get to do that. People aren't going to publicly criticize him. Bottom line, they just aren't. Bottom line here, Kelly. Republicans are, are afraid to criticize Donald Trump because they are afraid to get criticized by him on Twitter. On Twitter, they're afraid. They're afraid to or get blasted by him. That's why they are scared. They're also scared because, you know, an election's coming up. Mm -hmm. And when you say words matter, specifically when it comes to the president, because his main, you know, point of media is Twitter, Got the it. minute that he says anything, these politicians have to fall in line before, right. because otherwise they're, they're just out. Uh, that's exactly the case. And so the bottom line is, can't wait to see how Jewish Americans respond to this latest nonsense from Donald Trump. Yeah. All right, folks, you have to see this brilliant takedown of a Tennessee Tea Party leader, Hal Rounds, by Tennessee State Senator Katrina Robinson on the issue of when life begins. Rounds, by the way, y'all, this is, he actually said he remembers when he was actually born. I have a conceptual memory of being born. That sounds ridiculous. I didn't come out of the womb and say, oh my gosh, there's a fluorescent light and it was made by Sylvania. No. In the womb, there was a sensation of compression and advancement against one side and another to this sudden, this urgent pressure to burst out. And when I, I had this dream repeatedly through my youth, and one day I said, you know, that's kind of like being born, and the dreams stopped. All right? I believe that the, that the consciousness of the child is, is begun in the womb. And when you kill a child, you are killing a person who is not just aware of nothing, but of being a person. What the Tennessee statute is, 68-3, it's the Uniform Determination of Death Act. An individual, it says, who has sustained either irreversible cessation of circulatory functions, i.e. heartbeat, 
or two, irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain is dead, which means that the law presumes that if there is a brain functioning and a heart functioning, then life is functioning in the womb. You just said that life, um, I'm sorry, heart functioning and brain functioning is life? Yeah. At what point in the womb does a fetus develop a fully developed brain and heart? Fully developed? Yes. Not until they're 20 years old. <laughs> a, uh, let me go back. A fully functional brain and heart. I don't have the timeline for that, but I know that it is existing in there. That is the foundation of all the things that are added as it learns about the world outside the womb. Right, but your testimony was that a functioning heart and brain is life, correct? I did, yes. Okay. And at what point is that in a pregnancy? Leave that to the doctors, but it's way before what is considered viability <clears throat> by the Supreme Court. It's the end of the second trimester. I'm sorry? It's the end of the second trimester. The heart's beating way before that. It's the end of the second trimester, sir. I'm a nurse. What are you? <laughs> well. <laughs> that's the collection plate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think I'm a nurse. What are you? It's probably going to be right alongside of. It's about It's above me, me now. Yes. It's above me. <laughs> Now. Now, look, these are your these are your people. <laughs> yeah. these, I mean, this, this these are your people. Do you remember don't, when you don't, were born? Don't, don't put that on the Republican Party. He's this is, hold up, but he's a Republican. There, there, there is a well, I can't speak for everyone. And hold up, okay. but 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 this was a hearing on an abortion bill that was in Tennessee, advanced by the Republican Party. I think that so the hold up, wait a minute. So the Republicans in Tennessee put this guy on the on the in the witness chair. I think that there are discussions to be had, and there are valid discussions to be had about, you know, at what point does a fetus, you know, the, the, have a heartbeat, or, um, you know, and he even think what, what the point that he made about the consciousness of a, well, he didn't even say child, a fetus. No, he said child. Oh, child, you know, the consciousness of a child. I think that there are conversations that can be had about that, you know, maybe some of them are more philosophical than not, but... No, 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 but he said he remembered. But, yeah, and that's the point that I was getting at, you know, that's BS. You know, that's just, well, uh, but, but, hold up, but you have a nurse who's a state senator. Yeah. And then you got a crackpot who's testifying, and the Republicans are, were perfectly fine with the crackpot testifying. Th th this to me was very similar to your girl Candace Owens testifying before Congress saying, uh, white supremacy is a fallacy. White supremacy does not exist. Yeah, and they shouldn't have had her on that um, panel. They should. Well, have so, so why does your party keep putting up people who don't know a damn thing about the subject matter and then position themselves as experts? Well, I, I can't speak to what happened in Tennessee. Um, it's not definitely not something that I would have done. You know, his point. You know that he remembers that, and I think he said, you know, I was. Uh, I can't think of the the word that he used, um, but that he could. It's, it's hard for anyone to conceive that you can remember what happened when you were in the womb. So he should have known, and if he actually said that to anyone else, because I can't imagine this is not something that he's repeated before. I can't imagine this is the first time. But for anyone to listen to that and just not say to him, oh, whoa, hold up, brother, what, what, what are you talking about here? I mean, here? if he got that far to he sit there and talk. Somebody had to, Fetish. you know, come along and say something and approve of it. I can't Somebody. Imagine, but I can't Somebody. imagine they did not cringe when they heard that. They didn't I, cringe. I, you know what? I, I doubt, I doubt very seriously they cringe. You know why? 
Because we've seen crackpots like him testify beforehand, and Republicans are like, well, I thank you for your honesty and your bravery, and thank you for being an American. Yeah, Dude, being brave I mean, for being We ignorant. can go down the line, Melick, of Republicans who reward stupidity like this. Well, you know what bothers me the most? About Louis Goldberg is a member of the Republican Party <laughs> right. from Texas. Republican Steve King from oh, Iowa. Right. I can name Mo Brooks from Alabama. That dude is probably smarter than those three. Oh, and they're all Republicans in Congress. Joy, go ahead before I close what this out. What bothers me out. most about people who are anti-abortion? Because they have heartbeats and brains and all of this, okay? What bothers me the most is the heartbeat, the brain, the function, the, the human of it doesn't stop them from supporting the death penalty. Mm -hmm. You can, you, it yeah. is a horrible contradiction. Yeah. If life is precious, mm -hmm. then if somebody does something and the legal system convicts them, we put them in, we put them in prison as humans ought to. Right. We don't kill other humans. So if your position is you don't kill other humans, and I am a pro-abortion person. I mm -hmm. think it's a woman's choice. Mm -hmm. Her choice. I'm glad I was never faced with it. But I think it's her choice. She has to raise that child. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we're not willing to kill it on this end, but we're willing to kill it on this end. Yeah, but I think that actually exists on both sides, where people who are actually pro-choice, but also pro-death penalty. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of people who support the death penalty, yeah, I got you. but they, they're yeah. pro-choice. I'm just right. saying... Y'all might yeah, want to be a little smarter with who sense. testifies. But then again, <laughs> having smarter witnesses has never really been the Republican priority. Going to a break, we come back. <laughs> I'm going to deconstruct Marcellus Wiley. He said some comments on his Fox Sports show with regards to Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, Jay Z, and Colin's girlfriend, Nessa. Ooh, that were quite interesting. I've got a few things to share. That's next on Rollerbart Unfiltered. You want to check out Rollerbart Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Rollerbart Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you've heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at over $340 billion. And we know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S., thus creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They, of course, need land to grow all of the plants, and that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. My, my friends at 420 Real Estate decided to do something special for the Roland Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Right now, you can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200. That's right, 200 bucks up to $10,000. 
Again, this is a $340 billion industry that is still growing, and you can participate with as little as $200. To invest, go to marijuanastock.org. That's marijuanastock.org. Get in the game and get in the game now. All right, folks. Now, y'all know here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, we do something called the deconstruction of different things. We have in the past deconstructed uh, Kanye West, his nutty uh, news conference that took place in the Oval Office. We have deconstructed uh, the nuttiness of Candace Owens and so many others. And so uh, this morning I saw a video that took place yesterday uh, from a show on Fox Sports, their cable network. And it was uh, the show that has Marcellus Wiley and Jason Whitlock and Jim Jackson, uh, Jackson, former NBA star, and Marcellus Wiley, uh, former uh, NFL star, and Jason Whitlock, who never played professional ball. So um, we were watching this, and they were talking about this whole issue between Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z, Eric Reed, and then Marcellus, who I really like. We've had Marcellus on the show. I think Marcellus is a very smart guy, uh, graduated, from, graduated from an Ivy League school. But I think sometimes you can be so smart you're dumb when you come to a certain form of analysis. And so I was watching this video and was deeply disturbed by what I was hearing out of the mouth of Marcellus Wiley. So what we're going to do is we're going to play for you the segment. Y'all know how we do the deconstruction. We play the video, then I say stop, then I deconstruct, then we play some more, and then we deconstruct. So, class is in session. You can begin. One, Jay-Z told you what he thinks of Kaepernick truly through his actions. He didn't go to Kaepernick to say, can I? Should I? He just did it. You know why? As he said, we're beyond kneeling. Was this the beginning? You can keep kneeling. I'm going to take this baton from you as you're kneeling and now translate this into the two things that are most important in this whole conversation, which is the money and the power that can give the resources back to those who are underprivileged, underserved and voiceless. And I think that's been lost right now because of Kaepernick and the gestures that him and Eric Reed and Nessa are all following. Here's the thing. Jay-Z is smart. You don't become Marcy Projects to billionaire and not be smart and have your spidey sense that can read this. And Jay-Z is guilty of, of giving Kaepernick a pass the same way I was guilty of giving him a pass. I was conflicted. From day one, I was against him kneeling. Because I said, get up and get those resources because where we're from, your kneeling at, at, at kickoff has nothing to do with our situation unless you translate that, materialize it, and monetize it. Stop right there. Now, first and foremost, Marcellus says that he was against Colin Kaepernick initially kneeling because he said, get up and get the resources. If anyone who actually followed any of this, the NFL's commitment to resources to fight social justice did not happen until after this thing blew up. It's not like the NFL said before a protest, hey, we're going to commit ourselves to spend upwards of $100 million dollars fighting social justice. That was the response to the protest. So it's a little hard, Marcellus, for you to now say you were against the protest by Colin Kaepernick because you were saying, go get those resources to help the community when the resources were not offered up prior to the protest. Press play. 
waited long enough and finally said, Lanny, step past this dude to get this right. This is an identity issue. You know why the identity of this movement has been lost? You know why the identity has been lost in this platform of kneeling and what does it really mean? Because the identity of those who are leading it has always been in question. Let's keep it 1,000 up here, because my past Ooh, is hot. My past <laughs> has expired for this. The past has expired. I've been going back and forth with this from day one at ESPN. Let's go. Kaepernick comes from a situation where he's never felt the full weight of these injustices. This is a mixed-race guy who was raised by a white family from Wisconsin to Central California. Respect. That does not disqualify you. Stop. Now, he said the identity. He then says that Colin Kaepernick was raised by a, he's mixed race and raised by a white couple. He says Wisconsin. Do y'all know where Colin Kaepernick was born? Milwaukee. Do y'all know the history of Milwaukee and its police department with police brutality? Do you understand the poverty rates that exist in Milwaukee, it is arguably the poorest city in America. Certain states, certain reports have shown that per capita, uh, it is in the top three of the poorest in the country. So what you hear Marcellus say, and I need to unpack this, what he's saying is, well, you really can't trust Colin Kaepernick to be authentic about these issues because he is not a full African-American. How can you somehow be someone to speak to these issues and you are not a full African-American. Listen carefully. What you're hearing is a purity test, a black purity test. Continue. But when you make missteps and miscalculations, oh, it comes back into play. And he never spoke on this when Black Lives Matters movement was at its height. Think about it. 2013, 2014, Ferguson, when Jay-Z is bailing prisoners out and doing protesters out and taking pictures and supporting Trayvon Martin and that family, what was Kaepernick? You know who he was? Taking his shirt off, bruh. He was, I knew Kaepernick back then. He was never talking about this. He meets Nessa in 2015, all of a sudden, 2016, he gets benched. Flip-flop. Not mad, that still doesn't disqualify you. But Nessa comes into play now. And we all know Nessa. Respect to her and her ethnicity, but it's not black. Okay? So now we got mm. two leaders mm. who don't... Mm. Mm. So Marcellus then lays out who's not black. Then what he says is, oh, no, you didn't care about these issues. You didn't care about them until your girlfriend came along. Well, first of all, Marcellus, do, do your homework. Colin Kaepernick has stated that it was the shooting of a black man in San Francisco in 2015 that touched him deeply and caused him to rethink these very issues. Now, see, it's very interesting to listen to Marcellus talk about Colin Kaepernick and somebody who has an experience, the full weight of these issues. Later in this interview, you're going to hear Marcellus Wiley talk about uh, him um, growing up in Harlem and experiencing these things and, and, and what happened. Oh, that's very curious, Marcellus. 
Because, see, Marcellus Wiley, y'all, was drafted in the NFL in April of 1997. He spent 10 years in the NFL. Do y'all know what happened on August 9th, 1997 in Marcellus Wiley's New York? That's when Abner Luima was uh, brutally beaten and sodomized by NYPD police officers. Can y'all please show me the evidence of Marcellus Wiley saying a word? Can, can you show me the evidence of Marcellus Wiley standing with the activists in 1997 who took to the streets to protest uh, Abner Luima being beaten and destroyed by the cops? Oh, but let's fast forward two years, February 4th, 1999. Do y'all remember Amadou Diallo? A black immigrant who was shot 41 times by NYPD. I recall they said he was reaching for a gun when it actually was his wallet. Do, do, I'm sorry. I, if, if the evidence is there, please, by all means, show me where Marcellus Wiley used his platform to stand up and call for justice for the cops in, in his beloved New York City who shot and killed Amandou Diallo in 1999. By all means, advance to November 25th, 2006, the final year, in fact, the final two months of Marcellus Wiley's career when Sean Bell was gunned down, shot 50 times by numerous NYPD officers. Your career was at its end, Marcellus. You had nothing to lose. You could have stood up and used your voice to call out those NYPD officers. Now, again, if the evidence is there, if the data is there where you actually did these things, by all means, put it up or shut it up. So you're questioning Colin Kaepernick because he's biracial, because he chose to take a knee? I, I do recall another young brother who is biracial, who spoke about the injustices in our society. Do, do, do y'all recall this moment happening at the BET Awards? Before we get into it, I just want to say, you know, I brought my parents out tonight. I just want to thank them uh, for being here, for teaching me. Um, to focus on comprehension over career that uh, they make sure I learn what the schools were afraid. Leave it right there. Now I'll go back to the frame. I see a white woman and a black man. Jesse Williams, the actor on Grey's Anatomy, honored at the BET Awards for his fight for social justice. Jesse Williams is a biracial man. Jesse Williams wasn't raised in the hood. Marcellus? So are we now saying that if you are biracial, 
you can't speak to any of these issues? Are we saying it somehow that if you have not experienced the full weight of police brutality and the full weight of injustice and the full weight of police officers, then somehow you cannot speak to these issues? Okay, Marcellus, I'm a black man who grew up in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas. Mama's black, daddy's black. Did I experience the full weight of police brutality? No, I've never been in the back seat of a police car except the one that was actually at the mall when they were, uh, had some sign up and I sat in the back. I've never been in a situation. I have never been thrown against the car. I've never been held under duress. I've never had handcuffs on me, but there's no way in hell you can tell me I can't speak to these issues as if it never existed in my community. How can you sit there on a national platform and establish a purity test as to who can speak to the issues affecting our society? How can you do that? Anybody who understands American history knows full well it is filled with individuals who are not black, but who have stood up for various issues. We understand there were white abolitionists. We understand that there were preachers during the civil rights movement uh, who were, there were politicians uh, who were black and who were Jewish and who were white and who were Episcopal and Pentecostal who LBJ called on to put pressure on Republicans and Southern Democrats to support a 64 Civil Rights Act and a 65 Voting Rights Act and a 68 Fair Housing Act. Are we somehow to suggest that their work didn't mean, didn't mean anything? Oh, please, by all means, go read Howard Zinn's book, who was one of the two adult supervisors who helped SNCC. It was Ella Baker and Howard Zinn, Z-I-N-N, look it up if you need to, who wrote a book on these new abolitionists who were within SNCC. He was a white man. So are we somehow saying he didn't matter? Are we somehow saying that James Reed, who was beaten in Selma, didn't matter? Are we saying Viola Liuzzo, a white woman from Michigan, who could have stayed at home with her family, but who traveled down to Alabama to help sign black folks to register to vote, whose head was blown off on the side of the road, returning from Montgomery back to Selma on the day that the king gave that speech on the steps of Montgomery Capitol. Are we somehow supposed to say they don't matter? Oh, but they do. So what's up with this black purity test? And then the question, his girlfriend, to somehow say, oh, he got with Nessa, and all of a sudden, he began to change. Well, Marcellus, praise the Lord, because, see, I can show you. In fact, since you want to go there, let me give you some history, Marcellus. And again, I like you, Marcellus. I think you're a smart guy. I think you got way more sense than Jason Whitlock. But let me tell you what Andrew Young told me, since you, since you want to question Colin Kaepernick's girlfriend for the impact she had on Colin Kaepernick. Andrew Young told me this story. And I'll be happy to give you the videotape. Andrew Young said they were in New York. They had moved into a new apartment. He had a job as producing in television. They had gotten a new place and curtains and everything. And all of a sudden, a phone call came in. We need you down south. 
and they were watching television. And they were looking at all the injustices happening down south. And Andrew Young's wife said, it's time for us to go. Andrew Young said, go where? She said, it's time for us to go back home. So you got to understand, Marcellus, Andrew Young was from New Orleans. He experienced the depths of Jim Crow segregation. Andrew Young said, wait a minute, baby, hold up. We just got here. We got us a new apartment. Baby got you some new drapes. Everything is good. She says, well, you can stay here, but I'm going. See, Marcellus, Andrew Young, Ambassador Andrew Young, Mayor Andrew Young, Congressman Andrew Young, philanthropist Andrew Young, told me that the reason they were with, able to withstand Jim Crow, it was because the black women who they were married to would not allow them to quit the movement. Andrew Young said out of his own mouth, Marcellus, that it was the women who put the pressure and say, y'all are going to stay with it and you're going to keep fighting. So you don't sit here and criticize Colin Kaepernick's girlfriend when the history shows it was women who stood behind their men and say, baby, you stand up for what's right. So I won't criticize a woman for encouraging him and loving him and supporting him but you present that somehow as a sign of weakness. Press play. Even feel the weight hmm. of the consequences. So guess what hmm. you are allowed to do right now? Preach. Have convenience. Ain't no cosmetics <laughs> here, bro. When I'm in Compton, when I'm in South Central and Harlem, that's my, my childhood to manhood, zero to 22 years old. Those three places. I know what it feels like. When you're talking to Jay-Z, who's been through Marcy Projects, Brooklyn, and all his successes, he's seen this. We both said, go, Kaepernick, go, and let the cause blindly support the man. But the character is now coming to question. And then now, Eric Reed is taking it and giving him cover. Eric Reed is taking Kenny Stills, another guy. Respect, guys. Another mixed-race individual who's not felt the full weight of this. So Stop. when you want to take this move, See, now we back. See, y'all see what's going on. Another mixed race individual who's not felt the full force of this. Fine, Marcellus. Show me the evidence of you using your platform to call out these issues. Show me the evidence of you standing up and speaking against police brutality and calling out injustices. Please show me the evidence as opposed to you sitting here pontificating on television saying what they are actually doing. Press play. Movement, and I hate to play the race card against my own race. Usually you play the race card against other races, right? But when I have to see these missteps and these issues all manifest, I get back to the identity of those who are leading it which has always been in question, mm -hmm. and now Jay-Z has answered that question. Come back. That's somebody who... Now, first of all, the identity has never been in question. We've known who Colin Kaepernick is. We know that Nessa, her folks, are from Egypt, and she's also Muslim. I'm sorry, but are you trying to somehow suggest that they can't be aware of these issues and speak to these issues? I, I do know of somebody who was 
with a white mama and a Kenyan daddy who actually pushed a bill that dealt with police accountability in Chicago. Are we trying to say that the things that President Barack Obama did and things that State Senator Barack Obama did and U.S. Senator Barack Obama did are called into question because, oh, he's not fully black? Are we trying to say that there are identity issues? Is that what we really are trying to say? So are we trying to say that Jay-Z is blacker because Jay-Z grew up in the projects and he saw these things, so is, is that what we're really trying to do here? Are we somehow trying to minimize what Colin Kaepernick was speaking about when he has articulated exactly why he did it? Press play. Really knows what this is about? Handle this. We can't have a conversation on this. Colin is not versed well enough in this subject. He never lived it, so therefore you have to study it. He's not well informed enough where these PhDs who are on ground level say, Colin, we've tried to meet with you. Mm. He does his own thing. He goes to the beat of Nessa's drum. Respect, brother. But then Jay-Z is sitting there saying, I want to handle this, man. Mm -hmm. And stop with this whole divide and conquer. This whole, oh, these two brothers going at it. Y'all some simple-minded fools. Come back. All black. Well, what the hell are you? You literally are describing yourself because that's exactly what you're doing with the commentary. You're literally trashing Colin Kaepernick and his girlfriend. You're basically saying that he's a simpleton and somehow he can't think for himself. You literally just say on national television, he doesn't have the intellectual capacity to understand the depths of these issues when Colin Kaepernick has actually been involved with Know Your Rights camps all across the country. Colin, you said he beats to his, uh, he going to his old drum. Yeah, he does. He's actually been putting in the work, putting his money where his mouth is. Now, I've also been critical because I think Colin Kaepernick should be speaking out more. I believe that he should be doing interviews, should be articulating exactly where we are, but that's simply not his style. Do you know who also styled it up, that, that, that also was the same way? Dr. James Lawson, the man behind the, Niagara, the, man behind the Nashville movement, the man who called Keene to come to Memphis. When I interviewed him, see, Marcellus, I'm not just somebody sitting on television talking about these issues. I'm somebody who's talked to the very people who have been involved in these things. So maybe you right now are operating outside of your depths like you criticizing Colin Kaepernick. James Lawson said, it wasn't my role to be on the front row. My job was in the back of the church. He said, because somebody got to be the one behind the scenes. But see, when you try to minimize what somebody is doing, I take a shot at his girlfriend. It really speaks to you and your actual view. Press play. Experience is not monolithic, brother. So Jay-Z can do his way, and Colin, you can do it your way. But brother, we have seen your way, and we don't know what your leadership looks like because you're voiceless. You are voiceless in your own message, just like the people who are powerless are voiceless in our society. So now Jay-Z is saying, I'm going to translate this since I know what it feels like if this didn't work right for me. So now you look at this entire situation and you have to address the characters of the individuals because of what is happening in front of us. These guys have misled. And I gave them a pass just like you. I knew Colin when he was all the way up. And he wasn't thinking about this. And then when it first happened, I said, oh, my homeboys told me. And people in the organization, he's pouting. You remember day one, he was just sitting there? Mm -hmm. He wasn't kneeling. And then they were they told him, kneel at least in respect. And he did that. Come and back. And then all of a sudden. See right there. See, what I really can't stand is when you present an argument, then you really have no facts to actually back it up. He was pouting. No, he actually was sitting. And it was a 
special forces, member of the military, Nate Boyer, who went to him and said, sitting is actually disrespectful. You should take a knee. What ended up happening? Do y'all recall it was Nate who stood behind Colin Kaepernick as he took a knee? See, Marcellus is wrong. Colin Kaepernick was engaged in a quiet protest. It was an NFL reporter who actually saw him in successive games sitting on the bench and went to him and asked him, why are you sitting? Then Colin Kaepernick said exactly why he was sitting. He wasn't pouting. We now know why he was actually doing it. So Marcellus, why are you presenting a factually incorrect understanding of what Colin Kaepernick was doing? Roll it. The boat got in the water, and that's where we've been for three years. One more thing, and no, I ain't done. <laughs> and please, please add my, my name to this list of sellouts that goes like this. Jay-Z, Big Boy, Travis Scott, Malcolm Jenkins. Put my name on that list if you want to, because you know what this is? This cause has turned into a validation and a credit for Colin Kaepernick and Nessa's blackness. And let me tell you, you had your past, and your past has now expired. Jay-Z, do you, as you always handle it, stay above the fray and just make this about action. Hmm, just make this about action? Well, what has Colin Kaepernick been doing while you have only been talking? Also, Nate Boyer spoke about this very issue in terms of what happened. This was on HBO Real Sports. Here, we go to my iPad. We sort of came to a middle ground where he would take a knee alongside his teammates. Soldiers take a knee in front of a fallen brother's grave, you know, to show respect. When we're on a patrol, you know, and we go into a security hall, we take a knee and we pull security. Was I, he receptive? I, very receptive. He said, I think that would be, I think, I think that would be really powerful. And, you know, he asked me to, to, to do it with him, and I said, look, I'll stand next to you. I got to stand, though. I got to stand with my hand on my heart. That's just what I do and, and where I'm from. You got called a lot of names. I got called a lot of things from both sides. I was told I was a disgrace to the Green Beret. That hurts, you know, it really does. But then I also had a lot of people in the military say, I think you're on to something. So what you just heard completely is the count of what Marcellus actually said. Then he talked about Jay-Z's part. See, here's the real issue that happened with Jay-Z in the NFL that really was a problem here. And nobody wants to admit this. In the announcement they made, they laid out all the entertainment stuff. They talked about halftime show. They talked about soundtracks. They talked about live albums. What did you hear on the social justice side? All you heard was, we gonna do some stuff on the social justice side. What you heard was this clearly articulated entertainment plan that was well thought out. On the social justice piece, you didn't hear much. And that was the problem. See, there are a lot of people who I've talked to who have no issue with, with JC doing what he's doing. But see, the problem is, don't make it an announcement about entertainment and social justice when the whole announcement is about entertainment and ain't no social justice. Did y'all hear anything where they articulate exactly what they're going to be doing on social justice? Did, did any of y'all hear anything? Did y'all hear anything? No, I, 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 no. I don't recall hearing anything substantive. <coughs> no. See, this, no is what, this is what happens. So, so the problem is really your rollout. The problem is how Rock Nation and Jay-Z, how y'all rolled it out. That's why you're getting criticized. 
because you had no substance behind it. Entertainment and no substance. But to sit here and demean Colin Kaepernick and call him essentially a lackey, and by saying him and his girlfriend are earning their black card, mm. Colin Kaepernick is a black man. He's biracial. So are we now to call the black card of Jesse Williams? Are we now to question the black card of Halle Berry? Are we now to question the black card of any brother or sister who's biracial? Are we really going to play that game, Marcellus? Because, see, if we're going to play that game, we can play another game. We can play the game of a whole bunch of authentic Negroes who don't say a damn thing. If we really want to play that game, let's discuss authentic black people who don't speak up. If we really want to play that game, let's talk about authentic black people who are not doing stuff in their communities. To suggest that Colin Kaepernick has done nothing is a blatant lie. And to say it on television is dead wrong. Marcellus, you are absolutely wrong. As you said, playing the race card. What the hell was that? It was shameful. It was despicable. And it was pathetic television. And yeah, you should apologize for it. Because see, this is not about blackness and who's blacker. What this is about is a man who said he saw the injustice of a shooting in San Francisco. And you know what, Marcellus? Jenna 6 happened in 2006 when you were playing in the NFL. Did you say anything about that? See, I don't question like you did. Where was he with Black Lives Matter? Everybody don't arrive at the destination at the same time, Marcellus. There are some people who talk about it early. There are other people who actually bring it up later. See, I'm not concerned when you came to the conclusion to fight social justice. I'm happy when somebody arrived at that conclusion. And here's what I do know, Marcellus Wiley, that a 26-year-old Colin Kaepernick had the audacity and the unmitigated gall to take a seat and to take a knee because he felt that there was a cause bigger. When you were 26 in the NFL, what did you do? Being so authentically black, being somebody who has felt the weight of all of this, being somebody who was from Harlem, what did you do when you had the opportunity to use your NFL platform to raise the issue? The silence because you did nothing. You only focused on football. So I appreciate a Colin Kaepernick. I appreciate a Kenny Steels. I appreciate an Eric Reed and numerous others. Oh, by the way, when you made the, when you talked about um, these things don't matter and all things along those lines, and you know you're agreeing with Jay Z's time to stop protesting. Since I'm a reader, let me help you out. You need to get this book, Jason Whitlock. You can get it too. This book, y'all, is called Operation Breadbasket, an untold story of civil rights in Chicago, 1966 
1971 by Martin L. Depp. And do you know what Martin says in this book, Marcellus? He says there were numerous times when they made announcements against companies who they were protesting and then the announcement called off the protest and then they discovered that the company reneged on what they agreed to and they had to go back to the picket lines. He says in here numerous times when they had negotiated to add black produced products to the book, book to the shelves, when they negotiated for the uh, stores to bank with black banks, when they agreed to hire black managers, um, companies reneged. So guess what they did? They went back to protesting. So when Jay-Z said, kneeling is time to end kneeling and now it's time to do the work, no, 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 no. You keep the pressure up until they show sustained action. What the NFL is just like Hilo Foods and just like these other companies in here who wanted the protest to end, what they'll do is they'll come to an agreement to tamp everything down and go back to business as usual. But Dr. King and Operation Breadbasket, taken over by Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., led by him in Chicago, but they understood. And Martin says it in this book, uh, Marcellus, the biggest mistake that they made was they didn't have adequate follow-up to the covenants signed with these companies. Mm -hmm. This is history. And so for the people who say keep protesting, that's meant to keep the pressure on. That's meant to keep the attention on. And maybe five years from now, Marcellus, and we look back and we see sustained leadership from the NFL, then we can say the protest can end because it was job well done. Well, you might want to read a little history, Marcellus, because here's the piece. I didn't play football, but I damn sure know a whole lot about black liberation. And your questioning the blackness of Colin Kaepernick is a shameful display on television, and it was wrong. Going to a break. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfield in just a moment. I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications. All right, let's go to our panel here. What are your thoughts? I mean, because this, it, it, it greatly bothered me, obviously, yeah. when I saw that. Well, you know, I think as a communication strategist, I know when we're mounting a campaign, we go out and we get influencers or, you know, we call it um, um, surrogates. Who are taught the party line, who are told to say something so they can have all these different platforms to spread a word. Most surrogates are paid. And so I'm not, I can't prove that Marcellus is being paid, but he went on a tyrant that I'm not even sure why Fox Sports let him go on that long unless there was some sort of. I just don't believe that wasn't part of a deliberate messaging. No, no, look, on that show, he has his opinions. Jason Whitlock has their opinions, and that's fine. Oh, also, on the show, Jason Whitlock gave credit to the NFL Players Coalition for passing a bill in Pennsylvania dealing with criminal justice reform. 
you might want to do a better research on that one. I actually reached out to a state senator who was involved in that who told me that uh, they did come to the state capitol, Harrisburg, uh, and talk to legislators about the bill, but the bill had already been advanced in the Pennsylvania uh, legislature, and so you can't give them credit for a bill that they did not sponsor, Jason. That's what happens when you're a journalist. You make phone calls and check facts. Melek? You know, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, I'll try to be brief about it. Um, one of the things that you focused on is the identity question, the purity question. And this is something that I've always rejected. Um, you know, and as someone, as a Republican, as a black conservative, I'm always subject to the purity test. Mm -hmm. And which is all which is why I always push back on it. You said something else about the number of white people who have been fighting with us and gave their lives and gave their lives. This is part of the reason why I'm reluctant to always lump white people together. So that's so when people say, well, well, you don't criticize white people. I can criticize a white person who does certain things, but I don't lump all of them together. The thing about the protest, um, and this is, you know, and I just, you know, and I listened to what you were saying, from what I remember about how the protest began, it wasn't about what the NFL wasn't doing. Yes. It was, it right. was about... Society. Society. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to that point about the NFL, I think, and I think now the conversation has kind of shifted to what is the NFL's role in this, which is great, but... I was one of the ones, you know, I never really supported the kneeling um, in the beginning. Um, still don't now. I, I, that's just not something that I supported. But I was also at the same time critical of Jay-Z, not because of black man getting money, because that's what everybody was saying. Hey, you know, this is a black man getting money. You know, this is a wonderful thing. Where I was critical of is what you said, Roland, how he went about actually doing that. So he could have very well, when the discussion, when the rumors, if you will, were about um, how he counseled Travis Scott, you know, in what we all thought that that was actually part of the protest, mm. when he was saying, no, don't do that. We thought that that was part of the protest, but then he comes out and says, well, no, I was just saying that don't play second fiddle. Mm -hmm. Well, you should have said that right then. So, right. so if that was a deal... You could have publicly said, you, Travis right. Scott, don't do it because you're playing second fiddle. But right. you, which is not controversial. Right. But now, is that... But, but you did say that, and I'll, just, and I'll close it up. And the, the other thing that, and you asked about the social justice aspect. So I went and looked. What, what, as part of the deal, it is, it, it's, it's definitely focused on entertainment. The social justice aspect, at least from what I was able to find out, is that the proceeds from the CD that because because they have this thing now where they're going to Jay-Z is going to be able to choose certain artists to be part of this compilation that are supposed to be good for you know uplifting and we are the world right. I was about to say yeah, that right, right. like so, so NFL right, we are the world right. and so and, NFL, yes, we are the world. And NFL we are the world and the proceeds from that CD that is the only social justice component and it's going to go towards the, the thing that the players and NFLs have actually agreed upon with their inspired the Inspire Change initiative that I think they just launched in January. So the proceeds are going to go towards that. As far as I've been able to tell, that's the only social, social justice aspect. And I was reading on the way here that there are now reports. There are reports that Jay-Z is going to have ownership. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. no. First of all, I saw that report. Mm -hmm. Sourcing, weak as hell. Yeah. Secondly, it came out 48 hours after the initial press conference. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Yeah. What we call in media, 
That's that bullshit yeah. right there. Right. I don't believe it for a second. And again, if it was legitimate, it should have made it part of the announcement. But it's still right. 5%. But, no, but, but here's a piece, though. Here's a piece, though. Yeah, and also, true. for those of us who, first of all, there are minority owners in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Houston Texans, Kirby John Caldwell is one of the minority owners mm -hmm. of the Houston Texans. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, in, the was, 80s, in the 80s, yeah, Peter Bino yeah. was one of the minority owners of the Denver Nuggets. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been African-Americans. Right now, there's a group of several African-Americans, James J.B. Brown and several others, are minority owners mm -hmm. of the Washington Nationals. Yeah, sure. okay. Because there are requirements in Major League Baseball that you have to have a percentage of your owners have a minority stake. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not dismissing even 5%, but let's just be real clear. A 5% state yeah, ain't a majority it, state. It, it's still 5%. And so, but again, yeah. so let's just not sit here and play this cute little game. And the bottom line is this here. Fine. I, I have no issue if Jay-Z wants the entertainment stuff. Mm -hmm. The problem was that there was virtually nothing on the social justice yeah. side. And Announced. that's where there's a criticism. Yeah. And Kelly, the issue that I have again, and the reason I did that whole deconstruction, because it offended me to listen to a black man on a network literally issue a black purity test. It, it was disgusting to hear and to experience, but also the fact that he's perpetuating basically the Willie Lynch letter mm. in 2019, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me because he has, like Roland said, he has done nothing. You know, I didn't know who Wiley. And, and no, no, he may, no, no, no. And he may, he may have done some things since his playing days are over. But the difference is, he was somebody who was playing. But here's the thing: he's. But even if he's doing that now, it would still be quote unquote behind the scenes, which apparently he's not very much of a pro, uh, proponent of, right. because that's basically what Colin Kaepernick is doing right now, because that's his right. Show. And right. He didn't so because Colin is not out there doing interviews and Holly, me, 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 the reality is the y'all, y'all go to my iPad, Paper Magazine. Colin Kaepernick curated an entire issue all about their Know Your Rights camp. Mm -hmm. Just so y'all know, here are some of the people who were involved. The Exonerated Five. Mm -hmm. Here's some of somebody else who was involved. Taraji P. Henson. Mm -hmm. Here is Angela Davis. Mm -hmm. Here is, uh, right here, uh, Taraji and Janine. Again, he, right here is his girlfriend, Nessa. Right here, you have Eric Reed. Right here, you have India Moore. All of them, I'm sorry, I skipped over. Uh, you got Byron Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Right here, Ava DuVernay. Right here, you've got Yara Shahidi. All of them who have been working with him with his Know Your Rights campaign, which has been about teaching black and brown boys to know your rights. So when the cops roll up on you, you know exactly what your rights are. And if we need to pull that video out, of that brother in Chicago who jammed up mm -hmm. that cop mm -hmm. who tried to ask a young brother for his ID. He's like, no, you ain't got to give him your ID because he knew his rights. Mm -hmm. And so you got black men now who know their rights, who can challenge police officers all because of the camps of Colin Kaepernick. So, bro, don't try to tell me Colin not doing anything because that's some other bullshit. Kelly, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to also make a note of how insulting it was as a woman for him to demean Nessa's role mm. in Colin Kaepernick's uh, progressive viewpoints nowadays. Like, women are the backbone of every movement that actually is successful. And most households. It, most <laughs> households. 
Pick something that a woman hasn't done right. that hasn't perpetuated something positive in the right. society. Right. You know, and you know, not to be insulting to his wife, but maybe if his wife was a little bit like Nessa, maybe something would have happened uh, regarding movements in New York with mm -hmm. uh, uh, the three uh, young slain that you named. You right. know, it's just, I'm tired of the misogynoir. Right. I'm tired of it. Oh, yeah, he only doing it because his girlfriend, Nessa, because she making them do it. Dog, really? As, really? As an Egyptian, as a Muslim woman, she got a she got a tale to tell in this story. And I'm how is she less tale? black than anybody, in this, anybody else in this country? In there? But exactly. you all know that exactly. we have this conversation about this blackness question. We had it about Obama. Even after Jesse Williams, I don't know. I think he married a white woman or something. Nope. No, nah, no, no. That was different. Jesse Williams married a black woman. They yeah. got divorced. There were some people who were critical of him because he was dating oh, yeah, a white yeah, woman, yeah, 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 yeah. but his current girlfriend saying, is but, black. But we, now, we I don't y'all know on this show. I don't give a damn about who your ass date, marry. We focus on issues, but those are facts. Go. Yeah, but my point is that we have these sort of discussions all the time because for some people, Obama wasn't black enough. We're having it now with Kamala Harris. Um, you know, she's not black enough, and this whole Ados movement. You know, it's really something, and I don't know if this will ever end. But we continue to have this blackness. Oh, we do. Question because you know what? Can you ever? question Harry Belafonte's blackness or Harry Belafonte. to the race. Never, I, I, ever. No, I'm just not even... Hero. No, his, you know, his folks from Jamaica. Jamaica. I, I just, I'm just right. not, I'm just not, I'm just... We need to stop it. We're gonna stop this. But, but also, I just, I'm not gonna play this game to somehow, oh, it's only because of his girlfriend. Right. Yo, guess what? He got a brain. Let me just be real clear. Marcellus, it's a whole bunch of brothers out there who ain't voted. And look, Kyle and I, we, we disagree because Colin said he didn't vote in 2016. I got a problem with that. There's a whole bunch of brothers who ain't done a damn thing until a woman made them. <laughs> until a mama made them. And what's your wife Until a you aunt do? made them. Right, right. What's your wife Until a niece made them. Right. Until a cousin right. made them. So, so what? We now gonna say, oh, you only do it because your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. See, that's that bullshit you, right there. You chose and I'm gonna call bullshit on bullshit. Because that's what yeah. it is. And that's what it is. Right. And so I, I'm just not, exactly. I mean, again, though, so here's the deal. You can disagree with Colin Kaepernick all you want to. You can say, hey, they shouldn't be criticizing Jay-Z. But don't, don't, don't play the game by diminishing what he's done to gestures. That's all they've done. It's a gesture. gesture and they're doing this to get their black card. Because mm -hmm. you know what? He's dropped more than a million dollars of his own money on stuff. They playing, they putting up, not shutting up. Now, again, I would love, I think Colin should be speaking out more. Yes. I think we need to hear more from Colin beyond Instagram and Twitter. But and brother, if that, but if that's, but if, but if that's how he wants to communicate, that's on him. But he's doing the work, uh, Marcellus, and really, you really owed him apology for that commentary you did. And what you say, I'm keeping it real, or going all the way or whatever, this is what happens when you do. You get a proper deconstruction. And guess what? Don't even attempt to question my blackness. <laughs> Roller Martin Unfiltered, back in a moment. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com.
All right, folks, Life Luck Jazz is the experience of a lifetime delivering top-notch music in an upscale destination. The week-long event is held at the Omnia Day Club Los Cabos, which is nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the celebrity playground of Los Cabos, Mexico. The Life Luck Jazz experience offers the ultimate getaway for discerning jazz aficionados by pairing an upscale international destination with luxury accommodations, fine hot cuisine, top-shelf libations, breathtaking golf, exhilarating spa, health and wellness options, and much more while showcasing some of the biggest names in entertainment. The second annual Life Lux Jazz Experience continues to build upon its success and heritage with jazzing around Los Cabos, a celebratory expansion of accomplishing its goal of sharing all the finest the destination has to offer, including daytime excursions and many concerts, including the Spirit of Jazz Gospel Brunch and Jazz Sunset Cruise. Confirmed guests, comedian actor Mark Curry, along with Gerald Albright, Alex Bunyan, Raul Madon, Raul Madon, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, My Man Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Shalaya, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. For more information, visit the website at lifeluxjazz.com, lifeluxjazz.com, and I'll also be broadcasting my show from there. All right, folks, that's it for today. There's a bunch of stuff I did not get to. Did not expect to go as long as I did with that deconstruction, but I simply felt it was needed. To support Roller Martin Unfiltered, please go to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Every dollar you give goes to support this show, the shows that we do. Uh, of course, we've been on the road a lot of the last month. With, uh, of course, I'll be, I'll be in studio for the uh, next couple of weeks, and then we'll be back on the road in September. And so we're certainly uh, looking forward. Also, folks, don't forget, beginning tomorrow, we're going to start the countdown to the sixth and final season of Power. Mm. So we'll tomorrow... We hear from Lorenz Tate and Rotimi. Thursday, Joseph Sakura, and then my one-hour interview, my frat brother Omari Hart, will be taking place on Friday. So we got a special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered for you. And so that's how we do it, folks, right here. And so I uh, want to thank our panel, Kelly, Malik, and Joy. Thanks a lot. I'll see you guys on tomorrow. Holla! Peace. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.